Welcome into episode number 34, the Walter Payton edition of the House of L podcast. We're not going to talk about Walter Payton, although that would have been a really good idea if I would have had the foresight to go, oh, this is episode 34. We should do something about Walter Payton because he was only one of your favorite athletes of all time. You know what I should have done? I should have done the podcast with Jarrett. Like that should have been the 34th. But that's not what we did. And we're okay with what we did because today's episode is with Lourdes Duarte. I'm excited for you to hear Lourdes. Before I get into some background on it, let me just tell you that this episode is being brought to you by the fine folks over at Melly Cafe. For being on the show, Lourdes is going to get a $50 gift card as soon as I remember to give it to her. To go to Melly Cafe, three locations, Greektown, Jackson, and Halsted, by DePaul's Lincoln uh, Loop Campus, Congress and Dearborn, and Grand and Wells. Check the place out. If you don't believe me about how great the food is, just go look at their social. At Melly Cafe Chicago on Twitter and Instagram. Trust me. You'll be like, yeah, I should probably go check that place out. It's pretty dope. So, I'm excited for you to hear this episode. To give you a little bit of backstory, and some of it is said in the interview itself, but I wanted to you know, kind of get you up to speed on, on some of the stuff that may seem a little bit inside in this week's episode. Lourdes and I went to DePaul together, so it was great that we got the opportunity to do the podcast from DePaul, the, the Radio DePaul Sports Studios right there in the DePaul Center. I invited her. I figured it would be really good, and if you're looking at the, the thumbnail on this episode, it's, it's, that's the studio. It's, it's really, really nice. I'm glad that we built it. Shout out to Scott Viverman, who spearheaded that project and was able to get all the stuff done. And I think that it's great for students, but Lourdes and I were at DePaul at the same time. In fact, I was Lourdes's RA and you'll hear her talk about that. And she was like the perfect resident, never had to worry about any problems with, with Lourdes. Like she wasn't out being a crazy person or getting me in trouble and And if she was doing dirt, she was doing dirt behind closed doors, which is all any RA can ask. Leave me out of it. I'm just here for the free room and board. That's it. That's all I need. Lourdes has gone on to be one of the premier broadcasters in town. I think she's incredible. Like, she's really talented. Like, stupid talented. And... She's been a little bit of everywhere, and I don't mean in her career. I mean, she's a world traveler, and we're going to spend some time talking about that in this episode, but she's just impressive, super smart, multilingual, self-deprecating, as you'll find out here in this episode. What's really cool for me is she works with, I've known Lourdes probably the only person in the business that is working here in Chicago that nah, that's not true. But one, the fun part for me is that she's working with one of my oldest friends. 
her and Ben Bradley do the afternoon news over at Channel 9. Ben and I have known each other since high school. Lourdes and I have known each other since college. And now they're doing a show together. It's crazy to me. Chicago, the world's largest small town. It's so fun. It's And I see them, and they have great chemistry together. That whole crew in the afternoon is actually pretty good. I mentioned Jared earlier, and I'm a big fan of Demetrius. I'm, at some point, I'm going to get Demetrius on the, on the podcast because he's a geek like I am, except he's smart. But Lourdes is dope, and I wanted you to get to know her a little bit better. She's branching out. She's doing all sorts of stuff. But I just like her vibe. Like, she's one of those people that you feel cooler when you're around her. She would bristle at that thought. But it's the truth. So I hope you enjoy. After you hear the interview with Lourdes, I'll do a couple of emails. Some people have some thoughts on on some guests that I should have on the podcast. But I hope you enjoy. Episode 34 from Channel 9, Chicago's very own and Puerto Rico's and Cuba's Chicago's very own Lourdes Duarte. It's so I yeah, I've been filling in for WBZ. I'm going to go do an hour with Cochran on Thursday. So, yeah, it's my radio voice. It's your total radio voice. Who's, I think uh, it was D'Angelo said I sound like Delilah. <laughs> oh, that's quality. How long has Delilah been doing that syndicated show? Like 30 years? I don't know. Hi, you're on with Delilah. What's your problem and how can I help you? (laughs) Every time, I swear, every time that I'm in Vegas, I end up, you know how you get like the rental car or whatever, you're just driving around? I always run into the Delilah show when I'm in Vegas. See, I think we found a new career path. A new career path for me. Well, it's funny because I have a very wispy, thin voice. You think? Oh, yeah, I think so. I don't. You I think don't. That, I actually think that your voice would be perfect for radio if that's what you wanted to do. Huh. I don't know. Why do you think it's wispy? I, 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 maybe as I've gotten older, it's gotten a little thicker, but as a kid, I mean, as a 20-year-old, it was like, hi, I'm Lourdes, how are you? Okay, so it was a little high when high. you were yeah, younger. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's, 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 so. it has grown it as has you grown. have grown. Oh, my gosh. See? <laughs> Yes, it just means I'm getting old. It doesn't mean you're getting old. It means you're getting wise. Wise. That's what's happening. I want to ask you about travel. Travel. Okay, yes. talk to me. You've been seemingly everywhere in the last year. What places did you go and why did you feel like you needed to go there? Okay, let me tell you about this latest trip. Every year I take my mom on a trip. We go, we've gone to Panama. We've gone to New York City, Las Vegas. She saw J-Lo in Vegas. It was a big deal. Uh, this year, my mom, my aunt, and their best friends wanted to do this big trip. So we went to Budapest, Prague, Poland, Vienna for about 10 days. So it was me and the Golden Girls. They're all in their 70s and 80s, uh, and they kind of looked at me as their tour guide. But we had a great time, um, walked around everywhere, went to a number of different restaurants. They even found, you know, my parents are Cuban. They found this restaurant called La Bodeguita Cubana, which is very popular in Cuba because it was a place where uh, Hemingway used to hang out. So they opened one up in Prague. 
So as soon as they walked by there, they're like, how could this be? There's all well, they eat that in here. So we went and stopped in there, had uh, Cuban food, dance. They had a great time. It was awesome. It was fun. So what of the places that you've been, because I swear that you're in every continent. I feel like you fit every <laughs> continent because I, I follow on Instagram and I'm jealous of all the places that you've gone. What's the most fun place you've been to or that you put on your list mm. to go back to? I think Argentina was a really fun place, uh, Buenos Aires, and then we went to a beach town uh, not too far from Buenos Aires called Mar del Plata. Uh, beautiful, beautiful, just a fun vibe, you know, and it's, it was January here, and so in Argentina, that's their summer. So you're going at the perfect time. If you're ever going to go, make sure you go during that time. I'd say another really cool place, I mean, I love Paris because it's just, because it's Paris. It's Paris. It's the built. The architecture is beautiful. Um, went to Moulin Rouge. You know the, the whole thing. Uh, let's see what other place that I've been to. Um, a couple of years ago, I did a trip completely on my own to Spain and did Madrid and Malaga, which is the south of, Sp- of Spain. I remember you doing that. Yeah. That, that takes a, a lot of guts. A lot. Of, yeah, yeah. My friends were a little worried about me, but I knew. You know, I speak the language, so that made me feel a little bit more secure. And I knew the spots that I wanted to hit. And I'm one of those people that just kind of gets lost in a town. And I go to the museums for a couple hours. And then I stop at a cafe. And I have no problem just walking around on my own and talking to people that might be at the restaurant or making friends. Yeah, but still, there's. I would feel uncomfortable traveling alone. And I, I can't even imagine what it's like for a woman to travel alone. So how did you overcome mm-hmm. the fear of being away from home, traveling alone, and the dangers that can sometimes be associated with being a fish out of water. Well, I think, number one, you have to make sure you set some rules for yourself. So I would make sure that I was in my room by, let's say, 10 or 11. I wouldn't stay out past that time because that's, you know, usually if you're out past 11 or midnight, there's usually trouble to be found. Um, So I would make that rule for myself. Um, I would always at the desk, at the front desk, I would let them know, hey, these are the places where I'm going to stop at. I always had a card with an address of where the hotel is and a number or, I mean, you know how to stay out of trouble and you know the things that you can and can't do. So I would just follow that guideline. I think the toughest part was taking the train, the bullet train from Madrid to Malaga was a few hours, so you have to figure out how the train schedule works. You don't want to get stuck somewhere and not be able to make it back. You just have to be a little bit more detailed than you normally would. How do you think you got the travel bug? So I have lived everywhere, <laughs> as you maybe may remember. Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Florida. Florida. And then working in news. Indianapolis. Indianapolis, Detroit, Peoria, back to Miami, Chicago. So... I think I've spent so much time just going, hopping everywhere. I went to 11 different schools growing up. So I just like to go to different places and see different things. I'm a little bit of a gypsy. There's nothing (laughs) wrong with that. I'm a little bit of a gypsy, yeah. But when you figure out internationally that you wanted to travel, because you can grow up in a lot of places Mm -hmm. and still not be like, hey, I want to go to Prague. Right, (laughs) right, 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 right. And that one was one that they picked, right? So I wanted to do something nice for my mom and my aunt, and that was a place that they wanted to go to. So I just, you know, kind of did what they said. Uh, There's a lot of other places that I want to check out, too. I want to go to Thailand. There's a bunch of places in the U.S. that I want to check out that I haven't had a chance to. So it just it depends where the opportunity is, where you find the best deal, right? Mm Because that matters. Um, Yeah. I'm on this mile-high city kick. Okay, tell me. So I've been to Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. I've been to Albuquerque. Okay. Been Denver, been to Boulder. 
been to Flagstaff. I, I'm thinking about bull. The Bulls are playing Orlando and Mexico City in December. Mm-hmm. I'm really thinking about going to that. I've never been to any of those places. Can you believe that? Really? No, never been to any of those places. So I have a fascination with Arizona, a, a real fascination because it's so. There's different climates in the state and it's like two Mm -hmm. hours different so i'll give you an example i've talked about this a little bit before i went to go see a football game at arizona state so that's right outside of phoenix 96 degrees on a saturday night sunday morning i said i'm gonna drive up to flagstaff i drive to flagstaff it's a two-hour drive went from 96 degrees to 60 degrees and then at night it was 36 degrees Whoa. So we're talking a 60 degree difference, yeah. two hours, and you know, you're going up about 6,000 feet mm-hmm. so to 7,200 feet. Fascinated. My wife and I were in a few weeks ago, we were in Scottsdale and we drove to Sedona, which is gorgeous. And I suggested everyone go there because it's just beautiful. And we're taking these pictures. And I said to her, I was like, we need to get down the mountain. And she's like, why? I because those are, that's snow. She's like, what do you mean? And so by the time we got back down to Scottsdale, they had reported that the first snowfall. There you go. Of the year had happened. So I'm fascinated by that. But the mile high cities to me are really intriguing. I just, it's different. Like, I love that stuff. So there's a, there's a couple more on the list that I haven't, I haven't been to Salt Lake City yet. And I'd like to see Utah. I've never really mm-hmm. seen Utah. And Mexico City is, I think, 7,400 feet. Mexico City is great. That's another favorite. Okay, so. You've got to do Mexico City. Really? Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, the culture, the food. I mean, Lawrence, you know I love to eat. Yes. So the food is amazing. And it's a place where you can go and walk around a lot. And it's not going to cost you a ton of money. Okay. So you could do a trip for two to Mexico City for, and stay at, at a nice, decent place for probably about $1,800. Yeah. Flight and hotel, which I think is a deal. Yeah, I mean, totally. I think that's really good. I've heard people say that Mexico City is like a taste of Europe mm-hmm. in, in, in the Americas. I would agree with that. And it's so dense. And there's, I mean... The town's just on the outskirts of Mexico City, so Coyoacan, which is where Frida Kahlo was from, and that's where you'd find the Blue House, are beautiful, and you can bike through some of those towns. That's another thing that I love to do when you go to these cities. I always, always do the bike tour. So that's a $20, you know, day, because they charge you about 20 bucks to do the bike tours, and it's three hours of on a bike going from place to place to place in that city, and you get to see so much of it. Uh, that maybe you wouldn't see when you're walking because you can only do so much walking within a couple hours. So you see more of the town. You cover more ground. How do you think you being multilingual, multicultural, has shaped you as a reporter? That is a great question. I mean, I think it just makes you understand so much more where other people are coming from. Um, than if you, you know, you didn't have those different backgrounds and if I hadn't lived in all these different places. Um, and also I think sometimes if you're out covering a story and maybe the person you're interviewing or the person you want to make contact with doesn't speak the language, they might feel a little bit more comfortable with you knowing that, you know, you can talk to them in Spanish or English or whatever that, that case may be. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm so grateful for it and happy that that has happened. What about your experiences when you've worked 
in Spanish speaking, whether it's radio stations or television stations, is it different than, than working no, in English? No, I mean, news is news, right? Whether you do it in English or in Spanish. Um, I think it's, it's very similar. Uh, I probably could not work in Spanish right now. Why not? Because I'm so used to now trying to, doing it in English, that it would take me probably a good six months to get back into you know, there's certain Speaking. verbiage and language and just being quick on your feet in Spanish that I would probably have a difficult time, which the funny thing is that I was born here in Chicago, but my parents, when I was one, moved to Puerto Rico. So I lived there until I was 11, and English is actually my second language. So when I came back here, I didn't speak a word of English. I knew, like, pollito chicken, gallina hen, lapis pencil, I blew my pen. That was it. <laughs> so I, for all my friends that knew me in, like, the fourth grade, they're like, how's she learned? Now she works on TV talking in English? So um, it's kind of funny. But What was it like for Cubans in Puerto Rico? Yeah, so in the 70s and 80s, a lot of Cuban families would who came here to the U.S. would move to Puerto Rico. So Puerto Rico has a huge Cuban community because – it's a similar culture. The language is the same, you know, Caribbean weather. So it made sense for a lot of Cubans who came here to then move to Puerto Rico. And we were one of those families. So uh, how was growing up there mm -hmm. different from your experience growing up in the continental United States? I think you spend a lot more time outdoors. I, when I came from Puerto Rico back here to Chicago for a few years, it was so hard from, you know, the weather. You In Puerto Rico, you spend year-round outside, running around, playing. And I think when you come into Chicago, for, you know, Midwest City, where it's cold half the year, mm -hmm. you're not spending as much time playing and being active outside. I, I'd say that's the biggest difference. So considering everything that's happened in Puerto Rico over the last couple of years, I would imagine that it hit you pretty hard for someone who spent a majority of your childhood there. Yeah, and I had only been back one other time after I came as an 11-year-old. Um, and then I went back with the mayor uh, back in March when they went to deliver some supplies and goods. And, yeah, it was tough to see just what was left of that city and some of these smaller towns where they couldn't – they didn't have power, what, six, eight months after – the hurricane had hit. We went to uh, one town, Aguas Buenas, where the ComEd crews were there installing or getting the power restored. And just as we were there, we were able to capture the images as their power was turned back on. And they're cheering and clapping and they're hugging me. And I'm thinking, why are you hugging me? I didn't do anything. <laughs> I, I didn't lift a hammer. I didn't do nothing. I didn't do anything. Hug them. So um, that was incredible. It was a really great experience to be there for that. And um, I will always remember it. It was very cool. I saw your piece about Latinx. Oh, <laughs> which we, we got a bunch of students from DePaul to be I, in it. Yeah. I saw. Yeah. I, I was so grateful for the piece because... Did you know what it means? Can I ask you? Yes, okay. I, but let me answer that. Let, okay. me, let me rephrase, right, Counselor. <laughs> I had an idea of what it meant and how it was more of an inclusive right. word, but I wasn't sure how to use it. And I'm still, you know, trying it's to figure weird. out. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it's it's just weird to say because a lot of us are so used to saying Latino, Latina, that to go to Latinx, actually, it, it actually kind of makes things a bit easier once I can wrap my mind around it. But 
what made you decide to do that story? No, you know what? It was a, a very lighthearted story. We, for Hispanic Heritage Month, we try to do a number of stories that highlight the community that maybe tell people something that they didn't know before about the Latino community. Um, and, and particularly, we try to highlight some of the accomplishments of people in the city. Uh, and one of the things that I said to Vicky is, hey, you know, we've done this a story on whether you should call people Latino or Hispanic, but one of the big words that's now coming up is this Latinx issue, and I don't think most people even know, one, how to use it, what it means, and why they should be using it or shouldn't. So why don't we try to just do something light on that? And that's how that story came about. It's it's. It, I felt like it was one of the most useful <laughs> news stories. News you can use. No, seriously, because sometimes like you'll see a feature story and like, oh, that's great, or that made me feel good. This was one of those ones where... I was sitting there watching it on my phone and going, yes, I I can now use this. Like, this is something right. that from a community standpoint, I think is really important. And I have been walking around DePaul's Lincoln Park campus and there was a Latinx club. And I was like, oh, oh, there it is. So so there it is working like in actual practice, which I think is good. I always enjoy when I see news stories like that. I mm-hmm. I asked your your partner Ben Bradley oh. about this, and we got very serious in talking about what should be the function of news as it stands right now. How do you think news can best serve the community? I think in a couple of ways. One is obviously to inform, right? That's the basic, at the core of what we do is informing people and letting them know what's happening in their city, whether it's events or things um, throughout the community. Um, And I think it's also showing both sides of a story, whether it's a political story, a business story. um, Those are all key things that we do. On the other side of that, um, and it's one part that I've really been Uh, really involved in is the idea that we as news anchors in the city, as representatives of the city, we have um, the ability to give back at such a wonderful level when it comes to volunteering and helping some of these nonprofits get the message out. So I think that's the other role that we play as news anchors in Chicago, right? One is to inform, to show both sides, to um, show people what's out there. And then the other side is really become role models and mentors for um, the community and for the city and the, the youth in our city. Why is that so important to you? Because you are involved in a lot of different mm-hmm. organizations. You give your time to MC events. You you walk even when you walked in here today. You were like, "Hey, so here's one, <laughs> one of the places that." So why why is it such a big deal to you personally? I just feel like that I've been so incredibly blessed with the job that I do and the opportunities that have been presented to me, even at times when I didn't deserve them. That I feel that it is my job and my duty to try to spread opportunities and help to people who need it. And in that case, you know, I don't have any kids of my own. I love working with kids. I've always my entire life loved working with kids. And so that's my way where it feels it fills my bucket, right? My mm. my emotional bucket to help the kids and work with them and some people like, I don't know, shopping or food or sports, right? Well, for me, it's doing some of this volunteer work and 
working closely with the kids. So this weekend we just did, uh, it was a number of different organizations that put together this girls' youth summit. It was called Stronger Together. We did it at the uh, Charles Hayes uh, Investment Center on the south side. And so it was like 70 girls that came in and talked about the topics that they thought are important. So it was dating. It was social media. It was financial literacy. They had an open mic where the kids performed. uh, And they loved it. And it was such a great thing to be a part of that. It really made me feel really good and always does. So I'm happy to do it. Whenever you're having a bad day, I always tell people, do something for somebody else. Because it's going to not only make them happy, but it's going to make you feel really, really good. Have you gotten comfortable with the idea of Lourdes as role model? Lourdes as role model. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's a little hard because, you know, no, nobody's perfect, right? So I have my, my issues too. But, um, yeah, I, I, I love that they come to me sometimes and say, hey, can you help me with this? Or what do you think about this? I think I can do it, and I think it's been working out really well. Let's talk about working with Ben. <laughs> I knew this was coming. I knew it. What's it like to work with Ben Bradley? You know what? I, um, again, this is another situation where I've been incredibly fortunate and have been blessed to work with somebody that I enjoy spending my time with. He is the hardest worker. He has incredible work ethic. I would say he's probably one of the hardest working journalists in TV. He always has ideas. He always comes in, you know, willing to play and willing to be a part of the team. And if I were to ever need advice or, hey, Ben, I'm doing this, do you think you can help me? He steps up 100% of the time. There's also the fact that we really agree on, I don't think there's been a time where we have disagreed on a news story or on news judgment. I'd say 100% of the time, if he says something, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Or if I say something, he'll say, yeah, I agree with you. There's never been a time where we have not agreed on something. Um, The other thing, and this is something that people, he doesn't talk about a lot, but he really wants to give back, too, to his community, and he never says anything about it. Um, I was out with him and his wife, Molly, one day, and they were telling me that they sponsor a child that I think he may have met through a news story to go to a camp. And I said, Ben, why haven't you ever told me about this? But it was, I heard about it through Molly, not through him. So there's a lot that he does that he doesn't talk about. And that, to me, goes a long way. And it shows you who a person is. It does. And you, and, but there's fun, too. Oh, yeah. They pick on me like I'm a 12-year-old. Their 12-year-old <laughs> sister. Have you seen how much they tease me? I mean... <laughs> They do. They, they do. They pick on me a lot. But it's te- fine. It's They tease you, but there seems to be, and I haven't spent a ton of time at Channel 9, but the time I have spent there, the atmosphere there mm-hmm. seems different than other places that I've worked. How, how is that fostered? <laughs> well, it starts with the morning show. For real. And then it trickles on down. No, and you, I'm sure everybody who you've talked to from WGN will tell you that at the core of that, is our news director, Jen Lyons, who, you know, was going to leave and now decided to stay because she missed us too much. And we probably were texting her and calling her way too much and she couldn't leave. We didn't let her leave. Um, And she's just so one open minded, lets us kind of do our thing, does not. She's not micromanaging. She's kind of giving you the opportunity to you can do as much as you want to do, as little as you want to do. If you want to be crazy creative or just middle of the road, she lets everybody be themselves And I think when you're working at a station where everybody has to be exactly the same and you have to do this and you have to tell the story this way, that really 
doesn't work. And so in this case at WGN, everybody kind of has their thing and does their thing the way that they like to do it. And they encourage that. What was it like to go from Jen's leaving <laughs> to Jen's coming back? Emotional roller coaster. Yeah. No, I when I, they sent the email saying that she was coming back, I thought, is this a joke? You know, usually they send out the thread, the email, and everybody gets it. And it was so funny. Nobody responded. Like nobody. Usually we, we play back and forth and some funny comment or somebody else. Nobody said anything. We were all just stunned. Like, what is going? Is this for real? Should I send, send her an email? I don't know. And then a couple of days later, she showed up. So <laughs> it was for real. Um, yeah, it was complete happiness because we know that any other boss who would come in, it's likely that we're not going to be as lucky. And they're not going to be as great as Jen is. So we were really worried about that. Um, and we're just, she can't ever leave again. That's, <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> that's it. That's She's the stuck there. She's stuck there for life. So we're happy. I, I had a chance to talk with her a little bit this past weekend. I was at an event with uh, Afia. Yeah. And, and, and Jen and Sandy were there. And I was just, I don't know. It's, it's weird because when you see Jen, like, you mm -hmm. know Jen's about her business. Like, she's, she takes news very seriously. Yeah. But she also just seems to be such a good person that it has an effect mm -hmm. on the people that she's around. Yeah, she I will always believe that she has my best interest at heart. And that's for every one of us who work there. So if I go in and I've gone into her for even personal situations like, hey, Jen, I need your advice on this. What do you think? And she will give me her honest answer and what she thinks I should do. And when, and when there are times that she doesn't know what I should do, she'll tell me. So I feel like she's got our best interest at, at heart. She wants us to succeed. She wants us to do well, because if we do well, she does well. Right. Um, she's just amazing. I can't say enough good things. I agree. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly about that. What's the hardest news story that you had to cover? Mm. The hardest news stories are always, and this is an easy answer, when you have to go knock on a parent's door whose child just passed away. That, those are the hardest, by far. Um, I'd say, other than that, you know, I've I covered a story in Peoria where, I don't know if you remember white supremacist Matt Hale. Yes. Out of Peoria, you remember him? Um, so he had an event at the library in Peoria, and I'm trying to remember because it's been a really long time, but it was in the basement, and all these groups opposing what he was doing showed up as well. And his group and the opposition started fighting in the basement. There were no windows. They started just swinging chairs. Um, they had, I don't want to say knives, but they had... Um, Switchblades? No, it was almost like, I can't even remember, but it was like sticks, right? And so they were hitting each other. It was the flagpoles that they were holding the flags on. They were pulling those apart and hitting each other. And police came down there, started spraying pepper spray. And we were in, imagine, there's no windows and there's only one way in, one way out. And the photographer and I were down there. And luckily, he kind of pushed me back into a corner and he captured everything on video. But we were coughing. You know, you're in a room with pepper spray and <laughs> you can't breathe. And we had to wait for everybody to filter out of there up the stairs before we could walk back out. So that I think that was one of the scariest news stories that I've ever covered where I felt like, whoa, this is like this is really happening. Have you ever had any other story where you felt like you were personally in danger? Um, I mean, you know, you're sometimes you're covering situations in a 
maybe a bad neighborhood or people have weapons or I've had somebody pull out a weapon, not necessarily threatening me, but just pulled out a weapon to show me what they had. And that kind of freaked me out a little bit. But um, I don't feel like I've ever we, we try to be careful. You know, you try to be mindful of what's going on around you. What's your best advice for someone who wants to be you? Or wants oh, to have your career. I don't know. <laughs> All right, wait. Let, let's keep. <laughs> don't want to be me. That's <laughs> that would be the the first piece of advice. Well, who would love to be where you're at sure. as a professional? Because I mean, you worked your tail off to get back to Chicago. Yeah, um, I mean, working in news, I would say number one, know that you're going to have to work your way up. So maybe you might start at a place like a Peoria, and make no money. You know how it is. Broke. Lawrence, you're broke. I was I was telling somebody the story the other day that my first apartment in Peoria, I paid four hundred and twenty dollars a month, and that included cable. Yes, but I made no money. <laughs> I made I think it was like I made seven hundred dollars every two weeks or something like that. What What's really yeah. cool is, is on different episodes of the podcast, I've really enjoyed listening to journalists tell their stories of being broke. Because we, we all have, we all have them. them. Yeah, we of, all have them. what it's like. And so what do you think drove you to fight through the mm-hmm. broke days? <laughs> you know what? And when you're 22, 23 years old and you're working at a place like Peoria, we're all broke. It's not like I'm the only one who's broke. Everybody there is broke. And we, you know, we, you make friends. It's, it's almost like an extension of college is the best way I could describe it. You go for dollar pizzas and dollar beers and you make some of your best friends, I think, in those small markets. And then you have to like what you do because if you don't like it and you don't enjoy it, you're not going to want to do it. Um, I think I would do this job even if that would have been the rest of my life. You know, paying my four hundred and twenty dollar rent and making free cable, yeah, <laughs> and making no money because I really love what I've. Again, this is when I say I've been so incredibly fortunate that you know, from Peoria, I was able to get a job in Indianapolis, and then from Indianapolis to Detroit, and then so it all it was all little steps along the way that got me to where I am today. So it's I think one of the things, and I tell students this a lot, that they expect instant gratification that you graduate college and you're going to have this amazing job driving a Ferrari and making all this money and going shopping and tra- and that's not reality, right? Because you have to work for it to appreciate it, right? Um, so I always tell them instant gratification, that's not going to work and that's not the way it, it happens. So it's just little steps that get you to the top of the ladder. Walk me through the moment where mm-hmm. you explain to your family that you're coming back to Chicago? Whew. You know, they've been so happy for me all along the way. I think there was a time when they thought that I was kind of nutty doing this job because you're away from your family. My mom lives in South Florida. My dad lives here in Chicago. My cousins live here. I think initially when I told them, hey, I got a job at WGN, they're like, what is she going to do there? Like, clean the floors? I mean, is she really going to be on there? <laughs> What's, what, what did they really hire her to do? So, uh, but they, you know, like any family would be so happy that you're back home and that, um, you know, I can have dinner with my dad, you know, one day a week or a couple times a month or whatever that the case may be. And, you know, I get to be so much closer with my cousins um, who also live here. It, it's, it, they were floored. Amazing. Very happy. I can imagine because that's a big deal when you 
getting back here was a big was is a big deal mm-hmm. for everyone. Did you know in college that this is what you wanted to do? Not really. Did you know? Because oh, yeah. Do we tell the RA story again? We can. Yeah. So uh, Lawrence was my RA in college at Monroe Hall here at DePaul. That's right. Mm-hmm. So he back, knew all my hijinks, all, all the... <laughs> back when Lourdes was just out here doing dirt. No, doing she, dirt, no. not doing dirt. You're like one of the best residents I had. Really? Yeah, I had, I had no problems with you. Your yeah. roommate, on the other hand, <laughs> <laughs> there were some things going on with her. But, you know, you were always, always ready. Like, I always felt like you were older than you were. I'm like an old soul. It's true. Everybody says that. My mom has always said that, that I'm sort of an old soul. I mean, you could I'm tell. I'm like an 80-year-old woman inside. When you were like 19 years old, you're just going, okay, this is, this is someone who's about something. So, but but hmm. when, when did it happen that you go, I could be on the news? I could do this. Um, in high school, I was editor of the paper in high school. And I actually took a journalism class because all the kids in my school said that that teacher gave easy A's. <laughs> and I needed an easy A. And I ended up really liking it to where my senior year I was editor of the paper. So I had an idea at that point that it was going to be something in media, but I didn't really know what that meant. Um, so when I came to DePaul, I was going to do advertising and public relations and I thought I was gonna like write jingles for commercials or something and slogans and I I don't know I don't know what I was thinking Uh, and then through that I was able to get a job at a PR agency here in Chicago that caters to the Latino market and so then through doing that a friend of mine who worked at that agency one of her accounts was Sportsman's Park and they needed somebody to MC these events every Sunday, and it paid 20 bucks an hour and for five hours worth of work. So I would walk out of there with 100 bucks. And she said, Lourdes, this is great. You're broke. You have no money. Go and MC these events for four or five hours every Sunday, and you're going to make 100 bucks. So I'm like, oh, I've never been up on stage. I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I could have completely <laughs> ruined it. But she said, do it, and encouraged me, and I went up and did it, and everybody loved it, and everybody was so supportive. And my boss at the time, she said, I know you've sort of, like, looked at maybe journalism or doing something on air. You need to do that. You need to do that. Do that job. And she actually helped me get uh, an internship at Telemundo here in Chicago. And so I got the internship Loved it. I went out and met people and talked to people and did interviews. And then that summer, they let me freelance report for the summer. And it paid me like 10 bucks an hour to do, you know, little stories in, in Spanish. It was like they give me the easy things like the zoo or something. Um, and then through that, one thing led to another. I did radio. I did. And, and here we are. So I, I knew I had an idea of the concept of what I wanted to do, but I didn't know it was going to be, you know, like TV and reporting out on the field and anchoring. And Yeah. The place I was going through your Instagram before you came in, uh-huh. just because I wanted to think about some things I wanted to talk to you about. Your interests are so varied. Oh no! <laughs> and you end up in interesting places. So I'm curious, from your perspective, okay, what is doing? The, what's the most interesting place that you've ended up because you are now Lourdes Duarte? Gosh, I don't even know how to answer that. Because, I mean, I've seen you walk a runway now. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen you MC. So it's like you ended up. What is the most interesting place I've ended up because I'm Lourdes Duarte? Gosh, I don't know. I think the runway is a great thing. 
when I did that, I mean, I was I, I was good. You were very Je- good. I mean, I had some spice. A hundred percent. Yeah, that was fun. Was that um, weird? No, you know, I don't take it that serious. Like, I just have fun with it and um, just enjoy it. And people laugh, point and laugh. And it's it's all about having a good time, right? So that was cool. I, I loved it. It was fun. So would that count? or is You there know any- what? I've got the great story for okay, you. Okay, here, here we go. go. Uh, I told you I took my mom to Vegas a couple years ago. And I bought these tickets to take my mom and my aunt to see J-Lo. So we go and we have these great seats. My mother spots Benny Medina, who is J-Lo's manager. I don't know how she recognized him. She has my business card in her wallet. She goes up to him and says, Hi, my daughter is Lourdes Duarte with WGN News, and we're here to see J-Lo, and we want to see her after the show. I don't know if he just felt sorry for her <laughs> or was laughing. or <laughs> So he says, yeah, of course. My mom walks back. She's like, yeah, that was Benny Medina, and I gave him your card, and we're going to see J-Lo afterwards. I'm like, Mom, you can't do that. That's your, you, <laughs> you can't just take my card and give it to someone. And I said, you know, I don't think they're going to come back after the show, Mom, and take us to see J-Lo. Like, that's, he just was trying to get you out of the way and get going. Sure enough, the show ends. Within a couple minutes, they come over. And they take us backstage. We took a picture with J-Lo. We talked to her. She was, it was, I could show you the picture right now. It's incredible. I couldn't, I, I couldn't even yell at my mother too much for taking my card and doing that. Shout because out she to got your mom. Results. Because she, <laughs> she, gave, a handful. Oh, she gave your card to one of the yeah. most powerful men in Hollywood. I'm like, mom, what are you doing? And you got to meet J-Lo. Yeah, it was great. She, she will always remember that, my mom. She's got the picture. She's got it framed. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean. Well, and it's so funny because my mom and my aunt go up to her, and they're just like gushing. These 70-year-old woman gushing over J-Lo. She's like, oh, you're so pretty. You're so pretty. And J-Lo just kind of looks at me like, I get it. My mom would have been the same way. So it was really funny. It was a fun experience. I, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Oh, see, yeah. that's what yeah. I mean. So it, that, that's a good one. That's, that's a, a good. a strange place yeah. that you've been. Mm-hmm. When you're done with this business, what would you want people to have said about the way that you went about this business? I want them to say that she worked really hard. I want them to say that she cared about the stories that she covered and she did the best she could with the resources that we have. Um, I want them to say that she really cared about her community and her city and the people that make up that community and she tried to do as much as she could to give back. That's it. It's a perfect way to end this. All right, good. Thank you for this. <laughs> Lawrence, you're the best. I can't believe we've known each other for, do we say how long? I, I would I would say, for but I don't think you should say. Okay. All right. Okay. I would say it. Thank you. But we don't need to let people we know. We don't need to let people know. They don't need to know how old you are. <laughs> <laughs> you're the best. Because you still look young. Well, unlike your boy. Yeah, it's not true. You look great. <laughs> You look exactly the same. We look exactly the same. Like I'm missing a lot of hair, so because I used to have a lot more hair. But I wore my. You would always wear a hat. I I do remember that. I was a baseball cap type dude in college. I'm starting to go back to that because I actually really like wearing caps. Yeah, it makes you look young. It frames my face well. Me too. That's my weekend attire. Is is a a baseball cap, sweatshirt, and jeans. Yeah. Oh yeah. That is quality. You are really (laughs) letting all the guys know that you are available. That's what it's all about. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Lourdes. Bye, Lourdes. See, Lourdes is out here giving you travel tips. 
and you're learning all sorts of stuff. I'm so happy that she was able to make time. Here's the, the great part. Lourdes came in and she brought me sea salt caramel chocolates like Godiva's. Like she wasn't messing around. That's the type of guest I'm talking about. While she didn't forget her gift, I forgot hers. I forgot her gift card to Melly Cafe, which I'm going to drop off for her. But I'm I'm so happy that she was able to kind of tell her story and and share some of the some of the stuff that she's learned throughout her career. And I always like to talk with news people about what's difficult about their job because it's it can be emotionally draining. Some of the stuff that they have to do, the reads that they have to do, the reporting that they have to do. But I give Channel 9 credit. They rotate people around so that you can do stories that interest you. And I think that that's really good fuel for people. So if you are covering, as they would say in uh, Demolition Man, murder, death, kill, you get the opportunity to enjoy good stories about good people. It's also great to, to hear that I'm not the only one that struggles with language. Here's Lourdes, who's a, a, a native Spanish speaker, and she still struggles with language. So there. One of these days, I'm, I'm going to be so dope that I'm going to do the whole podcast in Spanish. And then what? I don't know when that day is going to be. I'd like for it to be soon, though. I might take Sierra up on her offer. She was like, I know a tutor. So I might have to do that. I know enough to get by. I know enough to get around. I just like to be conversational. That's kind of the goal. So, all right, on to the emails. And you can email the podcast at houseoflpodcast at gmail.com. Bunch of people want to talk bears, obviously. People are very excited about the Bears, and you should be. As as I'm recording this, the Bears are 5-3. and three, And there's episode 33 is all about the Bears. The whole thing is about the Bears before they take on the Lions. So if you like this episode, but you're also a Bears fan, just go back one episode, and you'll find the episode about the Bears. But people do like to throw ideas as far as guests go at me, and I appreciate that because sometimes, like, in my head, I'm like, Oh, well, I'm going to get this person and this person, and then you forget. But scheduling is always an issue, too. So this email from John. This one's from John. Lawrence, I would like to suggest that you have Sarah Kustak. She will be at the United Center on Wednesday, December 19th, and January 1st. I'm sorry, January 6th for the Nets game. And that's from John. Hey, I got no issue at all getting Sarah on the show. She's DePaul royalty. I was at an award ceremony last year, humble brag, where I got an award for community work for an alum. And she got like the alum that's kicking ass award. That's not what the name of the award was, but. Like, all of us got awards, and then she got, like, the big award. Strangely enough, Lourdes Duarte was the MC of that night. See what I mean about how small this town is? 
But yeah, Sarah, her career is money. And we used to do Sports Sunday together over on Channel 5. And it was like when she was really starting to push doing TV. And now she's all over the place. I think that she is a tremendous person. I always, like, kind of like Lourdes, like I always dug her vibe. And we didn't get a chance to host Sports Sunday together a lot. But when we did, we had a lot of fun. I'm super proud of what she's accomplished. And I'm glad that she's getting a chance to call games. Because there's no reason that she shouldn't be calling games. She's an incredible analyst and was a hell of a basketball player. So if she's down for it, you best believe I'm down to having Sarah Kustak on the show. I might even get over the bad blood between Homewood Flossmore and Sandberg. I might, just for her. Not for Fitz, though, but just for her. So thanks for that suggestion. I appreciate it, John. I will, I will reach out, and I will see if she's interested when she's in town. All right, we'll see if we can make something happen. This from Jeremy. Lawrence, your podcasts have been a treat for me since I've started doing a lot of traveling for work. Oh, thank you. That's very nice. My personal favorite is Charles Tillman episode, but the Kelly Kroll episode is probably your best work. The request I have for you is Matt Spiegel. I know that for you, baseball is your first love, and anyone who's heard Matt on the radio knows about his love of baseball. I know both of you can discuss a lot about the radio industry, but it would be nice to hear about how and why you both love baseball without being up against a break. Keep up the great work. I can't wait to see what is next. Oh, well, thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate it. That's really nice of you. It's really nice that you are, are traveling. It's so funny because through Libsyn, if, if you are doing the direct download or the direct stream, it's through Libsyn. And what they do is they, they let me know how many downloads and stuff are happening. But they also give me a map of the world so I can see where people are downloading from. And it's insane that I was really excited when we got all 50 states. Initially, I was like, yes, all 50 states covered. We're done. But seeing that the last time I checked that there are five countries in Africa where the podcast has been downloaded, we've got almost all of South America now working on getting all of Central America. We got all of South America, every country in Western Europe. There's been someone who has downloaded the podcast. So if you are listening in one of those far-flung places, I would love it if you, you email houseofelpodcast at gmail.com and tell me, like, if maybe you're, I'm guessing that there are some people who are listening on military bases around the world. At least that would be my hope. You know what? Can I share this with you? Can we have a candid moment? You know what I'd really like to do? I would love to work for Armed Forces Radio as an instructor. Like, I would love to help out with programming. I have a friend, one of my colleagues at DePaul used to, used to take pictures for Stars and Stripes. I would love to do something with Armed Forces Radio. I think that would be really cool and be a great way to give back to people in the military. You know, with my limited skill set, I might be able to help in some regard. And I could do my best Adrian Cronauer impersonation. 
Good morning, Vietnam. He was actually in the Air Force, though, so I'm not. But that would be ideal. So if you are listening somewhere, let me know where. I'd, I'd love to, if you're not in the continental United States and you're listening to the podcast, hit me up, Podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. All right, now on to what you said, Jeremy. Spiegel has an invitation. All I'll say is he's being particularly careful about doing something like this because he's still under contract at the score. I'll just say it that way. Depending on what happens next, whether he resigns or he resigns, I would expect that Matt Spiegel will be on the podcast at some point. And honestly, I don't even know if he and I would just, if we would even talk radio. We might just talk music. We could talk video games. We could, like you offered up, Jeremy, we might just talk about how much we love baseball. But he's definitely on the list. I'm trying to spread out the score XRT people because I don't want it to seem like a commercial. But there's so many interesting people here. Like, I want to talk with Mary Dixon. I really want to talk with Terry Hemmert. Like, that's, that's like, super high on my list of, of gets for the podcast because I am, I am – I am in love with Terry Hemmert. I just adore her. And I feel like there's so much I can learn. And I learned so much. Like, I rode with her in the Pride Parade. And I don't know if I've ever seen that outpouring of affection for a radio personality before. I've said it, I've said it on the air. I hope to be to my community what Terry Hemmer is to hers. It was amazing. Like we're riding down Broadway and I'm there, you know, I have the pride flag, like I'm waving it. And people are like, Terry, Terry, like on rooftops, man. Screaming down to get Terry Hemmer's attention. It was it was amazing. It was amazing. And like her message and the way people respond to her is incredible. And I joke all the time. Like I know a hall of famer. Terry's in the rock and roll hall of fame. She hates when I bring that up, but damn it. It's the truth. You talk about legend. You talk about goat status. That's goat status right there. When you're one of the DJs that's in the rock and roll, not the radio hall of fame, not the sports radio hall of fame. There's a couple of those. She's in the rock and roll hall of fame, man. All right. I totally geeked out about Terry Hemmer, but yes, she is on my list of people that I want to get along with other folks here. Like I had styles on, I had Roman on, but I didn't have styles on. How can I do that? I at some point have to get Dougie styles on the podcast. You know what's really funny? Initially, when I decided that I would do this once a week, 
I was afraid that there weren't, wouldn't be enough people to talk to. <laughs> How stupid is that? And now it's like, who do I talk to next? I got to get my man Leon Rogers on here from WGCI. I'll tell you this much. I tried like crazy to get Bill Burr because Bill Burr is going to be in town next week. I really, because I love his podcast and I really wanted to talk to him about podcasting, but they never got back to me. Damn it. But I still love the podcast and I listen every week. So I'm not mad, Bill. I'm just saying you're going to be literally down the street from me at the Chicago theater. We could have made it happen. It's all good. And that concludes this week's episode of House of L. Thanks to Lourdes Duarte for joining me. Incredible stuff with her. Man, I can just tell you this. Next week's episode is with Jordan Cornette. I'm just going to tell you flat out. I'm not going to make you wait. It is powerful. It's powerful. So... If you're checking this out in real time before November 14th, make sure you're there when it drops because you will want to hear it. Thanks for the support. It's much appreciated. See you after the Bears play the Lions. Jordan Cornette next week. Oh, peace. This would kind of become my signature line. <laughs>